Chapter 16 of A Broken Bond. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jeff Blanchard. A Broken Bond by Nicholas Carter. A Bed of Ill Omen. Neither did I, his assistant answered. Don't forget, though, that that young doctor down in South America insisted that Stone should consult a specialist upon reaching New York. It looks as if Follinsby were the man. That seems probable, Nick agreed but it doesn't help matters very much. For all I know, Floyd may be a scamp himself, and even if he isn't, and has communicated with Follinsby in good faith, the latter may try some trick. Both Crawford and Stone are the sort of men who would be looked upon as easy marks. They've been out of the country for many years, and they now possess a million dollars between them. What's more, they're almost friendless here in New York. That fact would appeal to Follinsby. He made the mistake of aiming too high the last time, of trying to victimise a man who was too well known. If he hasn't turned over a new leaf, and I fear he hasn't, we may be pretty sure that he'll tackle a different proposition the next time. Well, I didn't feel easy about it, Chick admitted. That's why I hurried out without waiting for Crawford to return. A brief silence fell between them, although some of the others at the table renewed in lower tones the conversation which Chick's entrance had interrupted. The chief was eating mechanically and hurriedly, and the absent-minded expression on his face told Chick that something was in prospect. Presently the detective refused his dessert and rose to his feet. What's the number of Crawford's room at the Windermere? he asked. Twenty-one, Chick answered. Carter went out into the hall, where the nearest of the several telephone connections in the house was located. The listening Chick heard him shuffling over the pages of the directory and then caught the click as the receiver was removed from its hook. The chief gave a number, and after a little delay asked, Is this the Windermere? In another moment, he went on, I wish to engage a room for a few days, and I'm particular about its location. Is number 22 vacant? A slight grin parted his assistant's lips. It isn't, he heard his chief ask. Then how about 20? There was another pause, and then, Good, I'll take it. Mortimer is the name. Thomas Mortimer, got that? Thanks. In a moment, Carter put his head in at the dining room door. I'd like to see you in the study when you get through, he said to Chick. Don't hurry, though. There's time enough. His assistant did justice to the meal, but wasted no time in conversation with the rest. Fifteen minutes later, he went up to the study and found his chief seated at the desk. You think Crawford is in danger then? Chick asked, as he entered. Carter's face was grave. I fear he is, he said. Something tells me that I may be called to save our friend's life again before long, or try to. It's more than possible, of course, that my suspicions are groundless. It isn't likely that Stone knew Follinsby was a crook before he called on him. He may not know it now, and Follinsby may not be planning anything out of the way. The situation is full of sinister possibilities, however, and I feel compelled to get on the ground without much delay. It promises to be a complicated affair. If Follinsby is running straight, all well and good. On the other hand, 
he may be planning to victimize one or the other of the partners or both. Chick nodded. He's quite capable of doing them both, he agreed. There's no doubt about it, Carter went on. I hope I'm wrong, but I have come to look upon him as a bird of ill omen. Whenever his vulture-like face appears, I'm inclined to take it as a sign of impending trouble. If I misjudge him, I'm sorry, but I don't intend to be caught napping this time if I can help it. And you're really going to stay at the Windermere for the present, Chief? Yes, that's the least I can do. If Stone has joined forces with Follinsby, Crawford will have little chance against them. It would not be so bad if Crawford would only realise his danger and would consent to take proper precautions. As you know, though, he has already experienced no less than three attacks on the part of his old partner, and yet he still sticks by him. I can't help admiring the man for his loyalty, but it's very quixotic, and I feel that I'll have to guard him from himself. Are you going to tell Crawford that you're coming to the hotel to live? Nick shook his head decidedly. By no means, he returned. Crawford is much too simple-minded a man for that, and is more than likely to give me away. I shall disguise myself tonight, before I go there, and you'll have to hold the fort here while I'm away. Of course, you can communicate with me whenever you have to. Chick's face changed its expression. But you'll give me a chance to take a hand in this affair as soon as the time is ripe, won't you, Chief? He pleaded. I didn't come out with flying colours from our previous bout with Follinsby, and I'd like to get another crack at him. The chief was at the door of the study now, and he turned and nodded to his assistant, a slight smile, playing about his lips. All right, he answered. You'll have a chance, I promise you, if the case shapes up as I anticipate. End of chapter 16